Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Chris Lance. Chris is a senior director at UNA, a group purchasing organization that provides the sourcing hero its home. Chris joins me every month to tackle a new story or topic of interest from his own point of view, and we always get into interesting conversations. So hi, Chris. Thanks for being back with me on the Sourcing Hero podcast. Always a treat. Hey, Kelly. So this is actually going to be a really fun episode. You know, as we start to get to the end of the year, I think it's inevitable and human. You start reflecting back and, and thinking about both the year gone by, but in the case of The Sourcing Hero, thinking about episodes that have gone by. Mm -hmm. So I gave myself some homework and I pulled the numbers for 2023. And there are a few, we're going to cover three of them today, that stand out in terms of downloads as listener favorites. Hmm. And what we're going to do is pull one core idea from each of those episodes and talk about them a little bit. So are you game to do this with me? I'm ready. Let's do it. Excellent. So the very first one is episode 113, Learning to Work Side-by-Side -side with ChatGPT, a conversation that I had with Joshua Palacios, Senior Sourcing Manager at Roe. Now, the interesting thing about this episode, and I teased the numbers, not only was this the number one episode of 2023, Joshua's episode has the top listens of all time. So oh. even when you level for the passage of time mm -hmm. and people finding episodes, he still takes the cake. <laughs> now, given the year we've had, it's probably not a surprise that chat GPT tops the list. <sighs> Feels like that's required discussion and any reflection <laughs> back on this year. Mm -hmm. And so, Chris, I'm curious, what are you hearing about or thinking about or watching in terms of generative AI, either within procurement or otherwise? Yeah. So, well, personally, I'll just go out and say, I think I've said this on other other conversations with you, Kelly, but I'm not the biggest fan of Jeff Chat GPT. <laughs> I, you know, I think it's very cool, but just me, you know, I, I feel like we're heading to this just overall, like a pure digital landscape. Mm -hmm. And for me, I just prefer more more analog and more pure research but i digress <laughs> what what uh what i'm hearing I'm, I'm actually hearing that some pretty big decisions are being made around this um like big strategic decisions um either you know certain tools helping make those decisions or actually these tools uh dare i say actually replacing um some other tools that are actually helping come to come to decisions so i would actually personally i'll use i'll give an example because like well what does that mean? So something as simple as like translation services, right? So it's like, hey, if I need to translate something, AI can do it. Or if I have just a quick question, I, you know, AI can do it. But just go with me on this. What if that settings in healthcare, right? Yeah. And so it's something that's 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 arguably, from my view, still still yet un unproven. Again, a, a lot of people it seems to just be diving right in now. 
what I also see is diving right in, yes, but it's still limited in its capabilities, at least some of it, right? So I'm seeing it as a big add-on to support things. But I, you know, the writing's on the wall for me. I, I think it's a matter of time before other tools start to just become simply obsolete. Yeah. Um, it's 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 just crazy how how quick it's really, for lack of a better term, taking over. But part of me is wondering, like, do people even notice, you know, how much it's it's really being taken over? It's just it's a rapid pace. So to your point, yeah, you can't you can't talk about 2023 without talking about chat GPT. So seriously. And it's funny because, you know, obviously we do the podcast, we do all mm -hmm. kinds of things. But in my heart, I'm a writer. And I remember when ChatGPT really became available, how many times did people tell me, well, I guess you're going to have to learn to do something else now. <laughs> and yet there is still that need for, at least for now, human-created content, thank mm -hmm. goodness. But some amount of it is, okay, now we have this tool, but you need people that are skilled at using it. Mm -hmm. And so querying and understanding what data it pulls from becomes part of it, which comes back to, I think, a procurement angle in terms of skills and talent. And so whether it's chat GPT, some other kind of generative or conversational AI, mm -hmm. I'm interested in where your thoughts are around adding to our skill sets to make sure we're prepared for an increasingly digital future. And I actually think this in particular plays to your strengths because I think we do need people that are excellent at using these tools, but we also, Chris, need that person saying, you know, guys, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about how this works and right. where the information goes and the downsides that could be associated with it, as well as the really exciting stuff. I think we need critical thinkers, uh, but I'm interested to know what you think about this from a, a skills and adjustment standpoint. So, so from a skills and adjustment standpoint, um, I, I a hundred percent believe that, and I think the, this industry already is, I don't think it ever sleeps, but <laughs> I think the hard truth is everybody, when it comes to the digital future should be beefing up security protocols. Yeah. I mean, cause as everything moves towards digital, you're just, you're going to want, whether it's your intellectual property protected from hackers, uh, whether whether we find ourselves in a, a surveillance state, right? Uh, like very, very real consequences to everything being on a screen. And so making sure you have measures to just protect your own information. You know, there's there's a quote, I forget it by verbatim, but it's data is now more valuable than oil and gold. Yes. Like what a time to be alive. So as far as skill sets and, you know, systems that are going to be managing or handling and supporting that data for you, well, you're going to want to make sure it's protected. Now, the I think the more glaring concern, I think, for me is from a leadership perspective, I, I think the future really uh, soft skills. I'll just say it right. Soft yeah. skills and the ability to bridge the human element to these tools or to the workplace. I mean, <clears throat> I've already read several leadership books that talk about this. I've read a lot of articles talking about how it's woefully needed in current leadership across the globe. So if we continue to head even more towards digital numbers and facts, and it's just, I just see the human element being pushed to the wayside. And I think that's just a recipe for disaster. So 
I would argue whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, um, you should still be challenging yourself to brush up on your EQ skills. And then I would argue whether you like it or not, right? Everything is moving to a digital path or a digital yeah. future. So make sure you have, what are those guardrails? Um, how do you protect your information? How do you, it, it, that, that's the way I'm currently thinking. So. Well, it actually provides a great bridge. We didn't plan it this way. We're just getting <laughs> lucky this time, Chris. Yeah. A great bridge to the second podcast of the year in terms of downloads. And that's episode 110, Telling a Business Story Beyond the Numbers with Chris John Franz Hansen from the Business Partnering Institute. Mm. And to your point around soft skills, he and I talked about the challenges and benefits of forming cross-country cross-functional internal partnerships, mm -hmm. but more critically, being good at storytelling. So yes, you have to have the numbers and you have to have the data underpinning your recommendations, but how you convey the picture of the current situation or how you share some of the different options that are on the table is just as important as the data that you bring. Mm -hmm. And so going back to your point about soft skills, what are some of the things that maybe you learned from some of those books you mentioned having read about effective communication, both in terms of speaking, but also in terms of listening to really close that loop and move things forward? Yeah, well, I, th I think what you, what, how you ended that question is, is really the best is listening. So, I, so first thing is there's this quote, you know, I'm big on quotes, Kelly. Uh, <laughs> But it's the biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Oh, that is a good quote. Right. And I remember the first time I read that, I, it kind of gave me chills like, oh, they're talking to me or, or, oof, like I can think of multiple examples of I've, I've seen that happen. And I think everybody has, right? Everybody's been there where you can almost see the person who's pretending to listen rather than actually listening. Yes. And so I've just, I've seen too many times and I've, I've had that feeling too many times. I just don't ever, ever want to go there again. And so my approach is to seek to understand because from my perspective or my analysis, I might be wrong. And <laughs> between you and I, and well, I guess everybody else listening. <laughs> and all the others listening. <laughs> <in>. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I actually err on the side that I tend to be wrong. Like I, Hey, I might be wrong on this. Yeah. Let, let me, let me go try to understand because for me, unless you truly understand someone's position or an issue or a problem, and not just understand it, but can communicate it back to someone, you're not really ready, you know, for even even to have dialogue. And I just, from my perspective, I don't see that happening enough. Um, you know, back to the soft skills, it's oftentimes people are convinced of what they're convinced of. And that's what makes the communication so difficult. Mm. Um, but if you really look to hey, I, I understand your position. I understand what you're saying. What I'm hearing is this. And if the answer is yes, well, okay, now we can have a fruitful conversation. And I think in my experience, that approach, it actually brings walls down yeah. and helps fill that gap of misunderstanding so that real discussions can be had. So a long way of saying, listen first, but don't fake it. Listen to what's said. And then <laughs> equally as important, listen to what's not always said. So. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because a lot of times when I'm taking people through sort of the interview process for the sourcing hero, mm -hmm. they will ask very thoughtfully, you know, who's listening in? 
And I always like reminding people, you know, it's not just sourcing and procurement professionals that listen to the sourcing hero, because as a community, Una also has provider members. And so you're not just talking to procurement. You're not just talking to sourcing. You're talking to people in all these different functional roles and sides of the business. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested because communication is so human, right? People are people. And a lot of times our differences have a lot less to do with the job title that we sit next to, but sort of who we are as individuals. I'm curious about what maybe a thing or two about all of the different people that you end up talking to in the course of an average week or month have in common versus what might make them different. Ooh. So this is this is good. And what's what's exciting about my answer, at least, at least to me, is contrary to what a majority of mainstream outlets may have you believe, there's actually significantly more in common than there is in differences across whether it's title industry. Uh, it, it's there's a lot. And so I'll give some examples. So there's, there's nobody that <laughs> I'll say it, this is an easy one. There's nobody that I talk to that doesn't want to win, right? So everybody yeah. wants to win everybody. Nobody likes losing. And in that same vein of everybody wants to win, most people have those common or similar goals by default, right? Like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get this promotion or hey, I'm trying to do X or Y. And it may not come across in the exact same manner, but it's, it's to be successful at what they're trying to do. Everybody wants to win. Um, another thing that I actually, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it was glaring to me is how much people love America. So I know that this, you and I, Kelly, were based in the U S. Um, but the, 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 the sense of pride, um, in, in country is very, very, very common as well. The one thing that's also across the board, across, doesn't matter who I'm talking to. And this is, it's, it's kind of comical, right? But the why. Um, as I get really close with whether it's other executives or whoever, as as we start bringing down our walls and better understanding, you know, what makes this person tick, it's almost always family mm. as what's driving people's definition of success of what they're trying to do. Um, the other thing, I'll maybe less rosy that I'll say is is uh, in common is internal politics are very very real. Oh. Um, and so the <laughs> so one thing is another quote, but my goodness, it's just, uh, I don't want to share like bad things, right. And or negative, but every single person I talk to is fighting their own silent battles. And it kind of shook me the other day. Cause uh, it's another quote. Um, but it's, and I was just like, wow, how true. And it said, uh, we are not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. Be kind. And so it's just the, my takeaways from that to your question is, so what's in common? Everybody wants to win. Everybody is, you know, has, has a reason that's, that's driving them. And it's probably very similar to yours. And then everybody has their, their struggles. And so back to what you were bringing up before, what we were talking about, the human element, it's just remembering people are people. Um, and everybody right. has a, a different dynamic or something that makes them tick, but um, long-winded way of saying there's so much in common though than, than really what's different. So 
Yeah. No, I think that's a fantastic reminder. And and I know as people are listening to this, they're hearing it either in the last week of November or, or early December. You and I are recording this a few days before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I have been thinking similar lines at this time of year. It's kind of what you think about. But I am always amazed at the generosity of spirit that I encounter. And mm. it could be somebody dropping a really nice note back on LinkedIn, whether it's a a DM or a comment on a post. It could be somebody that writes back to sort of a mass email and just says, hey, I don't even know if you guys read these emails, but I want you to know I I love the work that you're doing and Mm. you're making a difference. And I try very hard to pay all of that forward. Mm -hmm. You know, so as, as somebody does something generous and kind. It doesn't have to involve money. You look for ways to create that same feeling in other people. And and that, I think it's an excellent point. You've brought it up. The desire to do that and the positive feelings that it leaves us with, I do think that's one of the key ties that bind. Mm. Right? It, it doesn't matter our job title, our geographical location, our where we are in our career. You could be on day one or you could be retiring tomorrow. Right. As human beings, we do all want to connect in that way. And I think it's important to remember that even if your phone call is about something very transactional and procurement-y, mm-hmm. you could be the only kind voice mm. that person encounters during the day. So we all have our work cut out for us as human beings and as procurement professionals. Yeah, well said. Absolutely. Now, we have one more. So we've done the top two by downloads. Mm-hmm. The last one is episode 126, Making Procurement Research Actionable with Dennis Wolowicki, Executive Managing Director at CAPS Research. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's interesting how this worked out with the one, two, and three. So we did the chat GPT, which you have to have. Mm -hmm. We did sort of the community storytelling communication line. But I think Dennis's topic really rounds this conversation out nicely because he's talking about the importance of getting the basics right no matter what you do, Mm -hmm. that it's hard to change how you do things, but it's also hard to achieve new things if you're not really good at the basics. Mm. So Chris, I'm curious to know from you, what are some of the fundamental skills that you can never really progress beyond no matter what you do professionally? Yeah. So that, that's a, that's a, it's a tough question to answer because I think it also, it may, it may depend. See, it kind of seems like an out Kelly, but it may depend on your industry, right? It was the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that is communication, (laughs) but that, um, but that I've, I've seen some very poor communicators uh, be very successful. Um, And then I've also seen, you know, like I said, industry specific, I, I think, Forgive me, cat audience, right? But I think, you know, accountants and attorney, well, maybe not attorneys, but accountants aren't necessarily known for being like the most c- communicative, if you if you will. So it's it's a loaded question to answer. But from my perspective and from like a thought leadership and putting my leadership hat on only, I really, I really do think, again, back to what we were talking about with soft skills, I do think communication is key. Um, from like a, just a basic fundamental skill to be successful. Um, I think you have to be able to communicate whether that's 
with direct reports, with supervisors, whether it's cross-team collaboration, whether it's whether you're in C-suite and communicating out a message, or whether you're trying to get buy-in from C-suite and have them gain a true understanding of specific objectives. So it might seem simple, but I don't think it's always put into practice. Um, so I guess my answer would probably be, you know, if I had to look at like one fundamental skill that's that you really difficult to progress beyond mm-hmm. without or with it lacking, I, I got to say communication. Yeah. And I, and I think that's fair because, well, first of all, it means so many different things, right? We've already talked about the fact that it means speaking and listening, but it means written, it's audio, it's short form, quick little notes in a message. It's emails that you stress over and pour over and revise and revise and revise. All of it, especially digitally, is is how we're connecting with others. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mentioned, Chris, at the outset that I did my homework and I went back and I pulled numbers. Mm-hmm. And there's one other number that I think all of us can celebrate. I didn't know off the top of my head, but I went back and looked. You have now been a monthly guest on The Sourcing Hero since May of 2022, which means you've officially survived 18 months of monthly podcast interviews. I did it. You did it. I know. Congratulations. Everybody listening in, wherever you are, clap. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm curious. We've both learned a lot of things about the world and from each other as we've covered topics, and we have not shied away from tough things. Mm. But I'm interested to know, what's one thing that you have learned about yourself over the course of these 18 months doing this month in and month out? Ooh, well, well, I learned, (laughs) I learned actually more people care to listen to what I have to say than I thought. Um, that, that kind of knocked me back on my heels. Um, I didn't, you know, when I was initially kind of tasked or, you know, challenged, I'll say to take on this opportunity, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know that anybody wants to hear what I have to say, but it, what may, it may be our topics too, Kelly, but, <laughs> but it seems that a lot, a lot of people are kind of tuning in. Uh, my, my network has grown rather exponentially based on coming out of some of those topics as well. Um, with maybe some shared views on some things. So that's, that's been cool. Um, I think what I learned too, or I think where I've improved is I've always operated under the mindset that you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable, that that really just helps you not just be successful in business, but successful in life. Um, but I've actually, careful with my words here. I've actually, I, I've come to kind of like, like it now, maybe just be that I get to connect with you, Kelly. Um, but I, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not as, as anxious, you know, just about, about public speaking or, or speaking yeah. in general. So um, I've just kind of leaned into it. Um, I guess I'll, what I'll say is what the last 18 months has done is it's helped me reestablish or reevaluate like what I personally would consider risk for myself. So. That is an excellent thing to have learned, Chris. I am that I not that I necessarily had any specific notion coming into this, but I I appreciate the fact that you both stopped to think about 
that question and also got to that point because I think given what we've all been through over the last few years and the the three major themes we talked about today, mm-hmm. knowing where you stand on your own personal risk threshold is sort of like the first step towards becoming that, whether it's sourcing or sales or ops or marketing, but hero mm-hmm. that each of us ultimately wants the opportunity to be. Yeah. Um, and so as we we wrap this episode, and don't panic anybody, we have one left in 2023 that Chris and I will be doing together. People that aren't yet in your network that are just discovering you today, what is the best way for them to reach out and get in touch with you and learn more? Yeah. So you can you can check me out on LinkedIn. It's Chris with a K if you're listening, K-R-I-S-L-A-N-C-E. Um I'm on LinkedIn, uh, or you can send me an email. It's Chris, K-R-I-S, at una.com, or you can just go to una.com, una.com, and then you can go to About Us, and you should see my face out there, and you can get in touch with me that way. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.